0: Again, my name is John. I am an addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an adult child. Um, It's the first time uh, somebody else mentioned that I've been to a double recovery meeting. Um, Giving you a few just background details about who I am and I I grew up on American recovery. Um, I came in through the AA program a day at a time. Um, today, I have 8,658 days of continuous recovery. Um, I found when I came in, I used the CA program, didn't really connect with it, and just went into the AA program, and I found the, the structure to be very good for me at that stage and point in my recovery and has really been the foundation of my recovery. Um, I have a sponsor with whom I speak to at least once a week. Um, I feel like I'm constantly working in Step six and seven. Um, I do service at one meeting. I go to five of the same meetings every week here in London Um, and, you know, it's the reading I'm going to give you today. It's from the third edition of the big book, which I was given to, which I was given in uh, rehab. Um, and before, when I first heard this reading, I was the one who was listening and not, and not. Just, I wasn't listening for the message. I was listening to the details, and I was thinking, well, that's not me. That's not me. Now, much longer, slowly, a day at a time, as my onion is peeling back, and I'm learning and learning how to listen, It's these. this story has become more important to me because I understand that I've had this disease for a very long time. So the story, it's... Um, The story number 13 called Stars Don't Fall. A titled lady, she still saw her world darkening. When the overcast lifted, the stars were there as ever before. My alcoholic problem began long before I drank. My personality from the time I can remember was the perfect setup for an alcoholic career. I was always at odds with the entire world not to say the universe. I was out of step with life, with my family, and with people in general. I tried to compensate with impossible dreams and ambitions, which were simply early forms of escape. Even when I was old enough to know better, I dreamed about being as beautiful as Venus, as pure as the Madonna, and as brilliant as the President of the United States is supposed to be. I had writing ambitions and nothing would do but that I'd write like Shakespeare. I also wanted to be the queen of society with a glittering salon, the bride of a dream prince and the mother of a happy brood. Inside, I went right on being a mass of unlovely, unlovely self-pity, queasy anxiety, and sickening self-debasement. Naturally, I succeeded in nothing. Until I reached AA, my life was a shambles. I was a mess. I made everybody near and dear to me miserable. I had to go through extreme alcoholism to find my answer. But that's my quick reading for tonight. And it's, it's a reading that really, I find I connect with a lot. Obviously, um, I, I do identify as a man. Not obviously, I should say, I do identify as a man, Um, but for so long, um, even before I picked up that first substance, and I realized even before I picked up my first drink, I, I remember sniffing rubber glue now when I was about five or six years old, and I just didn't sniff it once. I loved sniffing rubber glue. I loved sniffing black markers. They had a cherry scent to them. I don't know why. I just loved sniffing them. Somehow I realized that if I needed to go to sleep or wanted to go to sleep early, just take a few hit, take a few shots of NyQuil. Um, and this was long before I picked up that actual first drink. I grew up in a very wet household, um, I just believed that every household was like my household. Um, we were, uh, a very, we looked good on the outside. Um, we were brought up that if you had nothing good to say, you said nothing at all. Um, appearances meant everything. And... It was always important as well, whenever guests arrived to the house, the most important thing was to offer somebody a drink. And by offering a drink, that meant offering somebody alcohol. Um, We had a liquor cabinet in our kitchen. We had a better liquor cabinet in the dining room. And in the basement, my father had a refrigerator filled only with beer. Um, And as early as I can remember, Um, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Um, I'm the only one with this disease. Um, My father, right now, he is a demented alcoholic um, and was a brilliant um, pediatric neurologist and is a shell of a human being right now. Um, My aunt, his sister, she has 11 years of recovery one day at a time in this program. This disease runs rampant throughout my family and um, as long as also as I can remember I knew how to make my mother a gin and tonic and when my father got home from the hospital he always liked a cold frosted beer a mug from the freezer and a beer and my mother liked her gin and tonic and that's every night at 6.30 and that's just how the life was in our household and my father's mood shifted my mother's mood shifted Um, and I still just like in the reading, I always felt out of step. It was as though every day when I would get to school, it was as though everybody else had been there five minutes before I got to school and they were in on it. And it's still to this day, I cannot figure out what they were in on, but I have spent and I kind of set time still do spend my days wondering what they're in on and how can I be in on it? And around age 11, 12, most I think it was like 12, 13, um, I knew consciously um, that I wanted to get to this specific party that was happening on the beach. There was going to be a bonfire. There was going to be kegs of beer. People were going to drink lots of alcohol in the shortest amount of time, and they were going to get drunk. I wanted to be a part of that. And I did exactly that. I didn't need to be told how to do it. I didn't need an instruction book. Um, Even, like I was saying, before I picked up my first drink, I was sniffing other substances. Um, Growing up and to this day, I still, I hate asparagus. I hate broccoli. And I'd sit at the table and I could figure out a way to feed it to the dog or to hide it under the mashed potatoes. But if I accidentally took my mother's cup and drank her gin and tonic, even though it really didn't taste that good, I never spat it out. And it was the same with my father's drinks or anybody else's drinks for that matter. Um, So I knew there was something about that stuff in that glass. And, um, you know, from the very first time I had gotten drunk at that bonfire party, um, it, was, it was that warm blanket that enveloped my body. I suddenly felt like I was in on it. And that comfort and that, that level of anxiety just disappeared. And I got home that night. I was violently ill. I had an insane hangover the next day. And I couldn't wait for the next weekend to do it all over again. And this is a very progressive disease. For me. And what started as once a week turned into by the time I was 17, where every day I was leaving school and going either to my house or to one of my friends' house because we didn't want to get noticed, we would skin the alcohol of all the bourbon, the vodka, the rum, whatever we could get our hands on, put it into one container and drink as much as we could in the shortest amount of time and go back to school. And I found that as a younger person, the get up and go was still there and I could get away with it. And I could suit up, I could show up, I could get the grades, I could matriculate, I could be what I thought I should be on the outside. I never understood from the first moment I took my first drink why the entire world wasn't drinking all the time. Um, it just did not make sense to me. And, you know, I also, as I was saying, you know, I've had a lot of uncomfort in my life about who I am, what I am. And I had different desires in my life about where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. Um, my father said he would cut me off if I decided to go off to a fashion school in New York. So I didn't want to lose the financial support. And instead I went to a liberal arts college. And basically it was all now looking back at white. it was my disease making my choices for me. Um, I did very, I don't know how, luckily on early acceptance, got into the college of my choice. And when I got to college, they gave you the handbook, which I basically threw away in seconds. Um, A week later, they gave us this book called the Disorientation Handbook. And in this handbook, it told you about every single substance, the price of the substance, what the substance would do, how long it would last, what vitamins you should take when you took the substance, and what to do afterwards. And that book stayed with me for my four years at university. Um, At university, I became a master at lying and cheating and stealing and forging. Um, And again, it was all about keeping up appearances on the outside. I, um... You know, I can go on with this disease because it, it, it it's into the core of my body. And I finished school. My father gave me pocket money and I went off to New York because I wanted to do what I'd always wanted to do. And I, as I find with a lot of us, um, we have a drive that is unseen in a lot of other people in a lot of other communities. And I did end up in the industry which i'd always wanted to be in and i found myself with a corporate american express card uh flying around the states um staying in great hotels drinking was encouraged and um i remember when i would get up in the morning and i was still able to get up in time i would um be on the subway in New York and there was always this advertisement and it was a girl sitting in a cubicle in an office and there was, do you think you have a problem? And I would have a conversation with this girl most mornings and I would think, you know, maybe tonight I need to just go home. And I would get to work, they serve breakfast at work, I would immerse myself in work, they served lunch at work Um, somehow that really bizarre thing just happened, but, you know, I would, I would text, um, the dealer and by five o'clock I had picked up the substances. I had met the girl and we were at the restaurant where we were supposed to be having dinner, where in reality all we did was run back and forth to the bathroom until about midnight or one in the morning and we did this she and I six nights a week and the irony of all of this was that I'm gay and she was married but together we were with our disease and we were the perfect partners to be with one another um and it took you know um losing jobs um there was I I didn't show up to work for a week I went back I didn't get fired it only and it made my ego feel bigger. Um, Unfortunately, it happened again. Um, And my alcoholism, you know, it took me to better jobs, which I would lose, but I seemed to be able to bounce back. But the problem with um, alcoholism is that as I was aging, my get-up-and-go got up and left. And by the age of 32, um... You know, I was barely coming to at about 10 a.m. when I was supposed to be at work at 9 a.m. Um, I was riddled with thousands of excuses about why I wasn't showing up at time, why I needed to get some, why I needed to leave work early, or I, I had to go do some errands or something. Um, I, the only person I knew by then, because uh, I had stopped seeing that girl Um, I wasn't allowed in most clubs or most bars at this time because of my behavior Um, was on, I would get, I'd walk home, I'd buy a bottle of vodka, I'd buy a bottle of red wine. My dealer would be waiting at my apartment. He'd open up that magical briefcase and I would spend every night alone, barricaded in a room that I shared with somebody um, I would have the people and I did all those insane things, you know, under the, looking under the door, opening the door, closing the door, um, turning the music on, turning the music off, turning the TV on, turning the TV off, opening the shades, closing the shades. And it came to a point I was just so empty that the only solution I could come up with not connecting that my consumption of drugs and alcohol had anything to do with my problem, um, was to kill myself. And as you can see, it didn't work. Um, when I came to the next morning, I was very angry. I grabbed whatever I could that was next to me. And, um, I uh, went to see the friend because by that point in my life, I was living in an apartment through a friend. I no longer had a bank account. I no longer had utilities because my solution to not dealing with having to pay invoices or bills, because bills used to arrive by the post, was that if I didn't open them, they didn't exist. Well, the problem with that is that they cut off my utilities and they cut off my credit. Um, and when I went to see this friend, she said, uh, I told her, well, listen, you know what? I've resigned from that job. I never really liked it anyway. And she saw me visibly shaking and she took one look and said, listen, John, that's great. If you want to go back to Europe to find another job, because I couldn't work for American companies anymore because everybody knew what a mess I was. And I, um, she said, listen, I think you need, um, I'd like an invitation to your funeral. I think you need, uh, I need this amount of money to hold on to the apartment, um, or I think you need to consider in-house rehab. And I have no idea at that one point, at that one day, in that one part of my life in mid-April of 1998, that that window of opportunity, which had been presented to me thousands of times before then, I listened. And she, for the next two weeks, researched about 30 different rehabilitation facilities in the New York City area. And on May 1st, I went away to a facility Um, Of course, when I went away to rehab, um, I packed the Vuitton luggage because when I had heard about rehabs, I heard about the Betty Ford Center and I heard a lot of celebrities went there. I wasn't going to the Betty Ford Center. I went to a rehab in the Poconos um, up in um, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Um but I wasn't sure that um, it was probably going to be any different and I was uh, hoping to meet a lot of very influential people. Um, a lot you know in the rehab, I needed I, I heard before going that they're gonna brainwash me. I finally also heard in rehab was that my brain needed a lot of washing. Um, I You can't tell right now, I weigh about a healthy 145 pounds, I, I'm about 5'7". When I came into recovery, I weighed about 105 pounds um, and I was over $100,000 in debt. Um, I heard about sponsors in uh, rehab and sponsors in my business are people who give you a lot of money. So I sat in the first two weeks of rehab listing sponsors because I was thinking, well, I'm going to get money from that person, that person. Um, And I was really had that attitude, you do your recovery, I'll do my recovery. Let's not talk to each other. And midway through at the rehab, something started to click and something started to change and something started to melt. And I started realizing that I needed all of you. And a to time for the last 23 years, you know, AA has been the foundation of my recovery. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, I have a sponsor. I've worked the steps several times. Um, I have a sponsee right now that we're working on his step seven. I have a sponsee with whom I've been working with for 16 years. Um, and he was the one that introduced me to ACA. So every Saturday, uh, Sunday morning now on Zoom, there's four of us that dial in and we just read the ACA. Um, I know I've got to wrap this up soon. Um, This summer was probably one of the worst summers in my entire recovery. Um, It was like a trifecta of experiences that occurred. Um, I had um, skin cancer from tanning. Um, As you can tell, I'm still working on the tanning thing. And um, I was deleted by two very close friends for reasons I still don't know. Um, And I went on a keto diet. So I eliminated sugar from my diet completely. And... um, I, the ACA, when my sponsee Martin sent me that 14 traits, it blew my mind. Because in AA, as phenomenally powerful working those 12 steps and still working them, the shame and the abandonment and the people pleasing were things that I've never really dealt with even though in steps four and five and then six, seven, and eight and nine. And I believe, you know, for me, AA, it's about forgiveness. It's doing more service, go to more meetings, do more um, fellowshipping. And in ACA, it was like finally I could really breathe. And I was suddenly hearing this language that I've never knew existed about these coping mechanisms that I grew up with in a household that was as wet as the one in which I grew up, it's no fucking wonder that I'm as fucked up because I don't know how to react. I don't know what to do. I'd rather have unhealthy friendships because I'm scared that I'm unworth it and I don't deserve to have friends at all anyway. So when this whole matter occurred this summer, It was my higher power ripping off a huge layer of my onion, and I've been most grateful to have had the sponsees because I didn't talk about me. I got directed into ACA, I started going to those meetings, I started doing the reading, and. I've gone from when I've heard an ACA uh, where I, you know, I see cash now regularly on Saturday is I've went from the hurting into the healing and I hope to be able to get into the helping. And the ACA has been a whole new enlightening experience into my program and it's allowing me to, to grow up in a way that i never imagined was possible and all of this starts with the fact that i didn't pick up a drink today and i didn't pick up a drug and because of that i get an opportunity to be here with all of you tonight um and i'll end by saying you know and i've kind of gone over a lot of different parts of my life um but I always, for me, it's the most important thing is that all of you will go on without me. But I can't go on without all of you. And so I thank you for being here tonight. If you didn't identify or you didn't connect with anything that I shared with, please don't. I'm not the poster person of AA, or NA go to another meeting, use these programs, they are the savior of my life. They have given me a life beyond my wildest dream. And like the reading, I can see the stars today. And even when I have the pain, I know the pain will become the touchstone of my growth. So thanks for letting me share tonight.